we're rolling, we're rolling. We fought all day long. Stay tuned, man. We got something special for y'all today. You're listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. To the 10, right to the 5. Scooting in for the score. Touchdown. Yeah. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome to the latest Full 10 Yards podcast. It's uh, week 11. My name's Lawrence Ross, and I'm hosting the Full 10 Yards NFL podcast this week. Joining me is the delightful Sean Blundell. So this is, a, yet again, a, a bit of a West Midlands takeover. So hope you enjoy our, um, our Midlands accents as we go through the, the week 11 NFL slate. So let's, without further ado, go into first down. First down. So we've had a a number of interesting transactions um, between week 10 and 11. First of all, we had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers waving Vernon Hargraves, cornerback, who was then quickly swooped up by the Houston Texans, who are looking for a playoff push. So... Good luck to Vernon Hargreaves in his new home. The Jets have had some bad news, even though they've had a win last week. They put Brian Winters and tight end Chris Herndon on injured reserve. The Panthers managed to sign Mike Davis, the running back um, off waivers from the Bears. I think there was rumours that the Lions, the sort of in-division team, were going to try and get them. But the Panthers managed to sneak in there and, and grab Mike Davis. Raiders have signed Dion Jordan and DJ Swearinger, the safety, to replace Carl Joseph, who's gone on injured reserve. The Eagles have brought back from the dead. I know it's well past Halloween, but they brought back Jordan Matthews, the wide receiver. And the Ravens have signed defensive tackle Domita Pecco, who, not a big name signing, but he spent 11 years in Cincinnati in these divisional rivals team um so it's 11 years of his 13 seasons so it's going to be interesting being on the on the other side of the field for for Domta and I've got officially name of the week this week and it goes to the Titans signing of Kari Blazing Game the fullback um and he's been signed to the active roster and he best live up to his name of a of having a blazing game because his mum is actually related to a four-time Olympic gold medal winning sprinter by the name of Evelyn Ashford, the, the US sprinter from the 80s and 90s. That's incredible, um, mate. I, I didn't think we were going I didn't think we were going to beat Ben Braunnecker, but that is incredible. That is a that is a name and a half. Imagine getting that one printed on your shirt. I'm, I, I want to. I almost <laughs> want to be a Titans fan just to get blazing game on the on the back of my back of my shirt yeah absolutely absolutely mind-bending stuff I think the the other big news which is not a signing news but it's um it's what's happening this Saturday Sean and that's Colin Kaepernick's workout so we know for a fact that at least half a dozen teams have already publicly declared that they will be there in Atlanta on Saturday to see Colin Kaepernick do some drills as well as be able to interview him. The Colin Kaepernick saga is, is, is obviously well known by everybody in terms of his kneeling down and his, his, um, his kind of anti-police stance and all of this. And it's, um, 
it's interesting. 16 teams this season have actually used backup quarterbacks. So there is a big need for a veteran presence um, on a lot of teams. Kaepernick's kind of past history. He's thrown for over 12,000 yards, ran for 2,300, played 69 NFL games. His last completion was actually week 17 of the 2016 season. It was a nine-yard touchdown to Garrett Selleck in a 25-23 home loss to the Seahawks. But unfortunately, this was a season that the 49ers went 2-14. and 14. So without Kaepernick, big changes. So I don't think he's going back to the Bay, but there are a number of teams that are interested in, including my Redskins, including the Dolphins, including the Buccaneers and the Lions. So, Sean, any, any thoughts on who you think Colin Kaepernick could, could find a home in the latter part of the 2019 season with? I think it all depends, really, on how the workout goes. Let's put in context here, as you've alluded to there, mate. This is a guy that hasn't thrown a football competitively for three years now. Um, rightly or wrongly, and I'm not getting into that debate, he's a polarising character and a number of teams won't touch him for that reason. You know, And again, you know, I'm not sort of giving an opinion on that. Um, you know, Ultimately, we are where we are with that and it's, it's long been discussed. I think there's a number of the guys, a uh, number of the team, sorry, as you've said there, that it would make sense. Um, you know, somebody looking for an upgrade at the position. Because let's face it, when this guy was in his prime, he, he took his team to a Super Bowl. And, you know, one, once upon a time, he was talked about as being the next big thing at the quarterback position. So he certainly got the talent there. You know, he would be, you would assume an upgrade for a number of teams, but that's obviously based on him being anything like his former self. So be interesting to see how it goes. I'm a little bit dubious, the fact that it's, you know, an NFL organised workout. Something seems a little bit fishy, if I'm honest, around the whole thing. Um, so whether it's just a good PR exercise, you've got the, you know, the collective bargaining agreement coming up and maybe that's a nice thing that, uh, you know, he's almost a, a bit of a sign to the players that, you know, look, we're, we're doing a little bit here, if you like, for somebody that is perceived to have been, you know, done wrong by. Um, be interesting to see what happens on Saturday. You know, maybe we'll have some news to talk about on Monday's podcast, mate. But, uh, you know, I certainly think it's exciting if he's anything like the player that he once was. Yeah, it feels a bit like a corporate social responsibility exercise on behalf of the NFL so they can stick it in their annual report um, at the end of the season. But accordingly, Kaepernick has been constantly working out during his, his um, time away from the NFL. So interesting to see what happens on Saturday. I'm sure NFL Network will go bonkers over it for the day. Um, one final bit of NFL news. The Christmas Saturday slate has been announced. That's on the 21st of December. So all of us Brit fans get not only three lots of Sunday games, we get three lots of Saturday games before. So the week before Christmas, it, it comes a little bit early for all of us. So we've got Houston at Tampa, Buffalo at New England, and the Rams at the 49ers. So between them, we could have five potential playoff teams. And um, Sean, something to make you happy. Hopefully a snow game as well out of one of those. Do you love a bit of snow, mate? I do like a bit of snow. It, it romanticises the game, doesn't it? I, I, I think it's great. And it, it kind of means you're getting into the business end of the season, as, as you said before. So that's, that's the news for this week. And without further ado, let's see who's been paying attention as we move on to second down and the quiz. Second 
down. Before we go any further um, and get into the quiz, we cannot forget an absolutely epic Monday night battle. Um, as the Seahawks came out in an absolute squeaker in overtime. Sean, did you stay up for the game? I didn't stay up for it, mate, but I've, I've watched it back since. I think, you know, an absolute classic game. I, I'm delighted as much as anything because it hopefully quietens down that Lamar Jackson MVP hype train that I know you're the uh, the captain of, my friend. Uh, the real MVP, in my opinion, was on display Monday night. And as you say, what a what an epic battle. Two, two sides going back and forth. Defences, you know, very, very much on top in this one. You know, defensive scores on both sides of the ball. Just a brilliant game, a brilliant advert for, for Monday Night Football for a change as well. ESPN must have been over the moon with the way that the slate panned out this week. But uh, you have know, a really, really good game that I enjoyed thoroughly, mate. Yeah, it, it, this, this, this was something that we were hoping would be a classic. And you hope, um, you know, you've you got to feel sorry for the 49ers rookie kicker who had an opportunity to win it. As, a, as an injury replacement for Robbie Gould and um, unfortunately didn't come through. And it was with, with was it zero ticks left? That's uh, the winning field goal. So, you know, real chance to kind of add some stats to the season for, for both teams. But, yep, epic game. And if you haven't seen it, I recommend it as, as a, you know, if you've, if you've not been watching a lot of games, make sure you see this one. It's one of the best of this season so far. So, without further ado, let's get into this week's quiz. Yes, it's that time of the week where we put your knowledge to the test. Have you been watching week 10 of the NFL? But we're going to be asking you in of the uh, Turn Up For What podcast. You and welcome you in. Uh, did you watch much of week 10 at all? Obviously, Texans were on a buy, so you, you had no excuse, really. Yeah, it was a bit of a, a stress-free Sunday. So, yeah, I tried, <laughs> tried to dabble in the games that I thought were going to affect us. But, yeah, no, it, was a, it was a good weekend, actually. A lot of big shock results and... Uh, and uh, and some and some uh, and some expected ones as well. Absolutely. Uh, did you did you go to the Texans game at Wembley a couple of weeks ago? I did. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, I've I've spent the last sort of seven or eight years going to two games every year, um, so it was a very very different experience. Um, <laughs> but the the te- the, te- the I mean, and the the crowd got in it. I think in the second half, first mm-hmm. half. Probably didn't allow them getting it with a number of points. Probably yep. wasn't one for the neutral, but uh, but yeah, the atmosphere was different. Um, but it was it was certainly a, a great turnout with the Texans fans. I think so it was, yeah, it, was uh, yes. uh, it was amazing the different countries and the people that have come all the way around the world and people that have come from all over Europe and just the breadth of this league and each team picks up people from all aspects and walks of life and it was it was cool. Mm, I really yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. It was a bit. Uh, it was interesting to see Gardner Minshew getting a bit of noise on third down. As I say, the Texans were very well. Uh, very well represented, but let's uh, let's get into see see what you remembered from week ten. Then, so usual format: ten questions against the clock, and say we'll see at the end of the season if you are, are the best uh, top scorer. I think the top to score to beat is eight. Uh, we have an unofficial nine from Maxwell on our college podcast, but that never made it to air, so uh, we'll call it <laughs> we'll call it eight for now. Uh, but we'll start the clock, uh, you, and we'll start you in on three, two, and one. Question one: Which team won on Thursday night football? Raiders. Question two: Name it. <laughs> name two of the teams that were on a bye week in week ten. 
New England and Texans. Uh, question three. Which game had the biggest winning margin? Patriots, Bengals. And uh, Ravens, Bengals. Question four. Which game had the most points in week 10? Uh, Titans, Chiefs. Question five. Which player had more passing yards in the Tampa Bay-Arizona game? Kyler Murray. Question six. Name either player that scored uh, either player that scored a defensive touchdown in the LA Rams Pittsburgh game. Mika Fitzpatrick. Question seven. Which team scored the least amount of points in week ten? Colts. Okay. Question eight. How many passing yards did Dak Prescott have versus Minnesota? Three hundred and ninety seven or three hundred and thirty seven? Three, three, seven. Okay, question nine. Which quarterback stepped in for Matthew Stafford against the uh, Chicago Bears? Oh, pass. <laughs> question ten. Within 50, how many total points were there in week ten? Say that again. How many? How many? Within 50 points, how many total points were there in the game week ten? Oh, um, 750. Not bad. No, that's wrong. Four of the, uh, Go on. Okay. <laughs> you, you, no, that's fine. I'll stay yeah, there. Okay, I've uh, stopped the clock. One minute forty. Decent, decent time. Uh, how do you think you did? Uh, I got that last one wrong. That was a wild swing. <laughs> 7.50. <laughs> that's fucked. As soon as I said it, I thought, no, that's not right. Probably about 3.50, in that range. Um, we'll, yeah, maybe six or seven. Maybe back seven at uh, a... All right. Yeah, well, let's 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 go through. Him. Started off very well. Uh, which team are going to work in Thursday night football? Of course, Oakland Raiders beating the Chargers. Name two teams that were on a buy. That was a stand dunk for you, really, wasn't it? Obviously, with the Texans and Jaguars, but obviously, you go Patriots as well. That was fine. You could have also had the Broncos, the Eagles, and the Redskins. Question three: Which game had the biggest winning margin? Uh, yep, Ravens and Bengals uh, was a was a bloodbath over there in uh, where was that? That was in Cincinnati, wasn't it? Uh, over in Ohio. Question four: Which point team? Ha- uh, which game had the most points in week ten? Kansas City Chiefs and Tennessee, and that, now that classic uh, was the right correct answer. So well done on that one. Question five: Which player had more passing yards? Unfortunately, it was Jameis Winston. I think it was by about thirty or so. So um, again, uh, I like to put those out. Um, either player that scored a defensive touchdown in the Rams Steelers game, Minka Fitzpatrick, uh, Dante Fowler was the other one as well. Question seven: Which team scored the least amount of points? You said the Colts. I've got the Saints down with nine. I think the Colts scored ten. So. Uh, let me, yeah, let me, yeah, let me, yeah, yeah, yeah. I will verify that one just in case afterwards. But uh, yeah, no, I think you're right. <laughs> I think you're right there. Uh, I mean, twenty six nine, twenty six nine. It was yeah, yeah. and sixteen twelve. Uh, there you go. Okay, there you go. There you go. How many passing yards did Dak Prescott have? He had three hundred ninety seven, uh, not three thirty seven. It surprised <laughs> me just as much as it did you. So, <laughs> um, especially as a Dallas Cowboys fan. But there we go. Uh, which quarterback stepped in for Matthew Stafford against the Bears? It was Jeff Driscoll, former Cincinnati quarterback. Uh, and then within fifty, question ten: How many points were scored in Week Ten? It was actually quite a low scoring week. Uh, Six hundred was the was the final. Obviously, the six hundred six teams on by. But yeah, generally, um, six, yeah, six hundred is usually quite low. But um, yeah, not within fifty. I'm afraid. So let's count those up: one, two, three, four, five, five out of ten. I'll make that. Yes, five out of ten in one minute forty. Time was good. Uh, maybe a couple more there. I just uh, would have troubled the top of the leaderboard. But five out of ten uh, is the best we can do. But you and uh, George, just want to maybe give a quick plug out to your to your podcast and your content for your yeah Houston Texans fans that may be listening. 
Yeah, you can download the podcast on all good and some bad mediums. <laughs> turn up for what podcast? Um, it's you know we've started you know in the UK kind of UK slant on it. We've got some good guests from Houston coming up uh, this week or next week. Um, as we've got a big game on Sunday, I'm sure you'll be watching. You can read all the articles uh, and the extra content at podcasttexans.com. Mm, lovely stuff. Yep, I did say myself today. Really, yeah. Any Texans fan that out there listening, or maybe anyone that is listening that knows a Texans fan, go, go over to to the website and uh, check out that podcast. Very good stuff in D. But Ewan, thanks so much for coming on, mate, and uh, we'll speak soon. Thank you for having me. Okay, good effort there. Unfortunately, kind of a, a five out of ten effort. Um, could do better, could do worse, but congratulations for taking part. So now it's time to move on to third down. Third down. So... Packers, Giants, Seahawks and Titans. And I think it's good timing for Tyler Lockett, the Seahawks receiver, after his legs swelled up. I know he missed overtime against the 49ers and he's, he got flown around by the, the Seahawks owner on, on, on their personal plane to, to get home. And I think the news has just broken that he should be okay for this weekend's game, which is good news. So. Let's go on to the slate. And Sean, I think you're going to be getting the, the coffees out tonight, aren't you? Thursday night football? Yeah, it certainly will be, mate. Uh, the dreaded Thursday night football game, which tends to be a bit of a stinker, but hopefully it's a good watch tonight. It's an important game. It's a game that essentially has the opportunity to either end the Brown season or keep it ever so slightly alive. Um, Pittsburgh Steelers come into First Energy Stadium um, for a game. They're sitting at five and four at the moment. Mason Rudolph will again be under centre um, for a team that is really being led by the defence. Me and Tim talked about Minka Fitzpatrick at length on Monday. He's been a real difference maker. So that's a guy that Baker Mayfield will be looking to avoid this evening. Uh, Joe Hayden, the former Browns cornerback, he's questionable for tonight. He came down with an illness yesterday, so it'll be interesting to see if he suits up or not. Um, if he doesn't go, that will be hopefully an opportunity that the Browns will look to exploit. Um, in terms of the Browns, they're going to be without Olivier Vernon again in this one. Um, I think if it was a Sunday game, he would have probably gone. But being on a short week, um, he's been held out of this one. Um, chance for the Browns to build some momentum after scraping an ugly win last weekend against the Buffalo Bills um, and as for the Steelers they are coming in as hot as anybody right now um, they've won four in a row which you know really as a Browns fan one of the reasons that you hate the Steelers is that level of consistency that they produce year in and year out this is a season that they've been without their star quarterback they've obviously lost both Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown from that sort of, you know, famous trifecta of the three Bs of a couple of years ago, yet they're still finding a way to get the job done. And as things stand, if the season ended today, they would obviously be making the postseason, which, you know, is almost par for the course when it comes to um, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, we did a poll on Monday around a team that could get into the... Um, the playoffs in terms of the AFC, I said it was a, a bit of a fuzzy picture. Um, just in terms of that result, most of our listeners thought the Oakland Raiders would get in. 
um, into the sixth seed. Um, as it stands today, like I say, Pittsburgh find themselves there. And although Tim laughed at me, and maybe I'm being a little bit quixotic with this, and that's a word that you'll probably not hear a guy from the Midlands say very often in terms of quixotic. <laughs> Um, there is a pathway for the Browns to get to the playoffs, as unrealistic and as impractical as that may be. And it does start with taking care of business in the division. Um, and that's obviously starts tonight with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, late one for me. Um, I know there's a few of us that are staying up in terms of the WhatsApp groups and the chats that I'm in. So, um, obviously, the dog pound in the UK will be barking loud and fingers crossed they can get uh, get the win um, to start us off in terms of week 11. Um and I'll hand over to you, mate, as we start the Sunday slate with the Falcons and the Panthers. And just before I move over to that game, there, there has been a live bit of breaking news about the Browns. They've actually just released Antonio Callaway, the receiver. Any, any instant thoughts on that, Sean? Uh, good riddance would be my instant thoughts. He was sat down for last week. Um, he... By all accounts, turned in late um, to the game. I don't know how you do that. Um, and just reading the tweet from Rappaport, it says that they're activating Drew Forbes, who is a development lineman that they took in the back end of the draft this year. He started the season on injured reserve, so there had to be a corresponding move. And to be honest, like I say, Antonio Callaway, he's a guy that came in with plenty of red flags and he doesn't seem to have learned. If anything, you know, it just reminds me exactly of Josh Gordon. So, um, good riddance. Hopefully Drew Forbes can shore up that offensive line. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not disappointed, to be honest. Okay, fair play. So we move on to the, the one o'clock games. First one here, we've got the two and seven Atlanta Falcons against the five and four Panthers. We've got the Falcons coming off a, a pretty special win against the Saints. Arguably the, the biggest shock since the, the Jets beat the Cowboys. Um, and it, this is a real case, I think, that the, the Falcons are going to play spoilers for the rest of the season. They're certainly not in the playoff hunt. They're not going to do anything important. Matt Ryan is shooting for probably a, a 5,000-yard season, even though he's missed a game. He, he's probably going to be gunning for that. And we've got big movements with the Falcons in terms of their running game. Devonta Freeman's injured. Ito Smith is on injured reserve. And it looks like Brian Hill is going to be their starting back this Sunday. I won't mention who, but somebody spent 55% of their season's fantasy fab budget on picking up Brian Hill. Not going to say Tim's name at all in this podcast. <laughs> Tim, wouldn't do, Tim would never do something like that with his fantasy team. Would you, Tim? Um, best performer on the Falcons still remains the, the tight end, Austin Hooper. He's leading the team with six touchdowns. I think, personally, he's going to get a Pro Bowl nod. Um, not many Falcons will. So, for him, he, he might be the lone Falcon to, to, to get that mark at the end of the season. And they've still only got two team interceptions. Um, they obviously improved their sack total last weekend, but they still can't pick the ball off. Going on to the Panthers, Kyle Allen, pretty secure as starter now with Cam Newton shut down. Run CMC, he's 11 yards away from 1,000. Of after only 11 games. Interestingly, his longest catch of the season has only been 25 yards. He's had 48 catches, which is second on the team. 
but he hasn't broke a big catch. And that's something that he's, you know, he's managed to do that on the run, but he hasn't managed to catch a pass and, and, and break, three, break through with that. So looking to see if he can have a, a big reception this week. DJ Moore, the receiver, leads the team with 684 yards. And rookie defensive end Brian Burns is impressing. He's got four and a half sacks, second on the team. What, what is good about the Panthers' defense is they've got 36 team sacks, which has got to be up, up amongst the top. I've got a Panthers to come back and, and claw their way to a, a 27-24 victory against the Falcons. And unfortunately, the Falcons go back into the doldrums. So talking of jungle animals, Sean, we've got the, the Lions and the Cowboys. You've been learning from the best there, mate. That was I'm, impressive. I'm trying. I'm trying. Superb, <laughs> mate. Absolutely superb. Yeah, so Lions and Cowboys. So we have the dancing quarterback that is Dak Prescott against a quarterback that would be happy just to be able to do a little bit of a shuffle at the minute. And that's obviously Matt Stafford. Will he go this week? He is questionable on the injury report. So we'll wait and see on that one. Certainly, the Lions will want to get him back after having Jeff Driscoll tossing the ball around last week. Um, and to be fair, I think if, if Stafford doesn't go, I think you know it obviously becomes a much easier game for the Cowboys. Uh, in terms of the Cowboys, they've got a few injuries themselves in terms of the offensive line in particular. A couple of their key starters are questionable in terms of Zach Martin and Lael Collins. Um, I know Tim has often said in the past how, um, you know, how much of a difference you can see in that Cowboys outfit when that starting offensive line isn't together. So, again, that's one to pay attention to and look out for. In terms of the Cowboys, I think they are going to be pretty much back and forth with the Eagles throughout the season. So, obviously, every game becomes vital as we get towards the business end of the season. Um, And this represents a good opportunity, you would have thought, for them to establish a little bit of a lead at the top of the division with the Eagles against the Patriots, which we'll talk about later. Um, So in theory, a good weekend, certainly on paper from a Cowboys perspective. Uh, Amari Cooper is likely to go this week. He's probable. Um, He just seems to make highlight real play after highlight real play. And for someone that was quite disappointing in his latter days with the Raiders, that trade really does seem to have shaken him up. And, and the Cowboys are obviously getting the benefit of that. Um, we talked a little bit about Zeke and the play calling on Monday. Zeke has been a little bit quiet, to be fair, this year. Um, you know, hopefully he can get that turned around because obviously, you know, after signing a big contract, I think people were expecting monster numbers. That hasn't necessarily happened. And quite surprisingly, and probably get Tim's view on this the next time that one of us is on with Tim, mate, they, they seem to be mixing in Tony Pollard quite a bit. It's not for the odd play here and there. He tends to get a series here and there, which is a little bit surprising considering the investment that they've made in Zeke. But, uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Obviously, from the Lions' perspective, the run game is a massive problem. Um, you know, as you alluded to, there was rumours that they might come and pick up Mike Davies. I don't think that would have necessarily solved the problem, to, uh, you know, to any extent. But they're obviously struggling to get some balance in that attack. So, as much as the Lions have been competitive this year, I see this as another game that they probably hang around. But I think ultimately the Cowboys will have too much for them and will probably, like I say, ultimately extend their lead in that division come the end of the games on Sunday. Uh, next game for you, mate. I'm, I, I am not going to give any clever link here, but I think it's a, a, a big game in terms of the Jags and the Colts in the AFC South, which is ultra-competitive. 
Yeah, Jaguars four and five, Colts five and four. And excuse the um, excuse a little bit of music here, but oh, return of the foals. He's back for his first start since week one. He's he's already got a Super Bowl ring, and he's um he's had a he's had a strange 2019 season after signing a huge free agent contract with the Jaguars, watching Minshew Mania grow and grow and grow until it reached Wembley, and then it went very very sour. So there is a debate out there that if um if Gardner Minshew hadn't have had such an atrocious game over in London, would he still be starting? Would Foles have definitely gone back straight into starting when he was fit? As it is, it's perfect timing. You've had the the sort of the the, the premature death of Minshew Mania and a bye week. So we've had Foles who's now ready to ready to rock and roll and he's rested. Great time to face a Colts team. Again Full of wide receiver injuries still. The the Jags, just coming back to the Jags, their only credible win really this season has been against the Titans, who they they they've got a rematch in week twelve. So no real big wins for the Jaguars. Leonard Fournette has been back to his best, four point eight a carry this season, ticked six touchdowns. And what's surprising is his production in the backfield with in terms of catches. 40 catches for him so far this season. He actually averaged 29 in his first two seasons together. So 40 catches already, looking like they're trusting him in in that kind of short passing game. And the Colts, I think, will be mightily relieved to have Jacoby Brissett back. Brian Hoyer in his two games, two losses, just something you don't want to see. He is probably the number one clipboard holder in the entire NFL and I think he's a perfect clipboard holder but as soon as you actually put him on the field I don't think that um, I don't think that he really needs to come back again I think if the if there are if there is a situation where Brissett gets injured I'd, I'd try somebody else apart from Brian Hoyer because he just hasn't cut the mustard I'm afraid interestingly the Colts do have a run that they could get to a 10 and 6 record by looking at the rest of what they've got going the rest of the season. But they've got to beat the Jaguars first. I've got Foles to make a, a big impression on his um, on his first game back since week one. Get the W. Big game, 31-24 to the Jaguars. So, Sean, for the next game, can Bits Magic continue? Look, people laughed at me a couple of weeks ago. I said the Dolphins were going to go 9-7, and seven, and it's still on, my friend. Uh, I wasn't impressed with the Bills last week, and I wouldn't be surprised to see the Dolphins actually get three in a row here. Um, they're obviously going to start as underdogs again, um, but it's a match-up that I don't think will particularly frighten uh, the Miami Dolphins. If you look at Buffalo in recent weeks in particular, um, you know they haven't been great. And in terms of points scored per game, they're only ranked 25th in the NFL, which is quite surprising for a team with such a good winning record at 6-3. and three. Uh, They're obviously being paced predominantly by the defence, which is um, third in terms of points allowed, only allowing 16.7. 
Um, and the third against the pass. The pass defence, to be fair, last week was excellent against the Browns. Tredovious White had himself quite a nice day covering Odell Beckham for the majority of the game. And there was a nice little stat in terms of Tredavious White that he actually forced more pass breakups than he actually allowed receptions, which, you know, isn't something you see all that often. I think he broke up five balls and Beckham only actually caught four. Um, so that goes to show um, what a good performance he had. Um, I was thinking in terms of the Dolphins, I mean, you know, ultimately the, the last two weeks, um, you know, for me have been coming, and I've said that for a while now, I think they've played better um, than the record had suggested up to that point. Um, they were competitive, you know, in a number of games for probably two or three quarters and then sort of capitulated. Um, as you said last week, Fitzmagic sort of glimmered for a little bit longer and ultimately that was enough to get them over the line. Um, and obviously this is a revenge game, as Tim would like to say, in terms of Fitzpatrick. He gets obviously many of those with all the clubs that he's been at, but obviously he spent a little bit of time at Buffalo. Um, so I think this will be an interesting one. Um, I think, you know, you'd have chalked this up as an absolute surefire Bills win probably two or three weeks ago. Um, but I think it could be interesting this time around. Uh, a game that will certainly be more interesting, mate, is the one in the Sky Sports early window. Um, two great, I don't say two great quarterbacks. That almost feels like I really have jumped on board the Lamar hype train, doesn't it? But, you're uh, there, you're there. You're, you're no longer in the station. You've opened the door and you're looking for your seat. <sighs> Go on then. I'll let you have your moment of glory. Texans, uh, Ravens. So we've got a six and three Texans team and a, and a seven and two Ravens team, and the battle of L. Jacks versus D. Watt. I think this is the single most exciting pair of quarterbacks in the league. And no, I haven't forgotten about Russell Wilson, but Russell Wilson has that kind of that calmness about him, whereas. Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson, you never quite know what they're going to do. You know, one week they're getting kicked in the eye and then throwing a touchdown. The next week they're, they're spinning around um, insanely and, and breaking people's ankles and scoring touchdowns. So you just never know what's going to happen. They're unpredictable. They're high scoring. And I'd like to personally thank both of them, actually, just um, because of my all 10 yards fantasy team, I actually have. Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson as my two quarterbacks that I've been rotating all season. So my 8-2 record is thanks in, in large part to both of them. And it's just a case of trying to pick which one that I'm going to start for each week. So I'm starting L. Jax this week because I think he's going to have a slightly bigger game. Um, and in fact, about 75% of my fantasy teams have one of these two quarterbacks starting. So... I've got to say, I love both of them. Lamar Jackson, 27th in the entire NFL in rushing. And Deshaun Jackson, not far behind at 35th. So this is two running backs that are in the, in the top 40. Uh, sorry, two quarterbacks in the top 40 for running in the whole league. And the only, the only quarterback separating the two is, is Josh Allen for the Bills that we've just talked about, who's outrushing... Deshaun Watson by about 80 yards. They're both, both L. Jackson and Deshaun Watson, both thrown five interceptions each this season. Watson's got a better completion rate, 70% versus 65. And Watson's got 18 touchdowns to, to Lamar's 15. Lamar's averaging being sacked twice a game, which is, is not bad considering how mobile he is. We all know that the Ravens are, are leading the league in rushing. 
Houston, again, not far behind. They're fourth in the league in rushing. And this is in large part to a, a resurgence of Carlos Hyde, who, who sort of bounced around the league and he's really found a home in, in Houston. And Bill O'Brien is feeding in the ball like crazy. And I think it's, it's great that Carlos Hyde's getting a chance to prove himself. So overall, we've got the Ravens' second-ranked offence. And overall, we've got the Houston's fourth-ranked offence. So note, I'm not talking about defence at all here because I don't think there's going to be a lot of defence this week. I think we've got a high-scoring encounter. We've got DeAndre Hopkins, who is going to be fired up after a, a strange game that he came over and played in London when he averaged something like six yards a catch, got a late touchdown. He's actually averaging under 10 yards a catch this season, which is easily his lowest career total. So he really does need a boost. There's something not quite right with DeAndre Hopkins. And it's not that he's, he's got a bad quarterback. So I think this is a high-scoring duel. And it's one of those ones that could come down to the who's got the ball for the last possession. I'll give it 33-30 to the Ravens. So, Sean. Are the Broncos the Klingons that Captain Kirk can defeat? That's a, you, you have been practising this week, my friend. Oh, I tell you, I am in awe of these segues. Um, I, I, I will probably spend less time talking about this game than that segue. I think the Vikings absolutely hammered the Broncos here. Um, I think you know the Broncos have. Um, you know, they've got, well, are they three and six? I believe the Broncos are. Um, the Vikings, yep. for me, are going to be, you know, I've said it all year and I still believe it. I think they ultimately will be the class of that NFC North division. Uh, Dalvin Cook, still, for me, in the conversation in terms of probably offensive player of the year. I don't think he's going to get in the MVP discussion, but certainly making a case in terms of offensive player of the year, potentially. Although, as we discussed the other day, it's likely to go to one of the top three that doesn't get the overall MVP award. Um, and I think this is a Vikings team that are balanced on both sides of the ball. Um, and I think they easily come out on top here, mate. So, not going to spend too much more time on that one. I think it could be a little bit of a runaway. Jets and Redskins, mate, I know uh, you'll be cheering on your boys. Well, I've, I've kind of put in my notes that this is, this is only a game that actually people who have no sanity will be watching so <laughs> I, 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 I therefore classify myself as insane. The, the Skins do have a, an 8-3 and three series lead over the Jets but they have actually lost the last two which included a game played in 2015 ironically won by Ryan Fitzmagic. So the Jets running backs have not had a play over 19 yards this season um, and Le'Veon Bell, I just, I, I'm really unsure what's happening to him. It's got to be in part to do with the offensive line, and it's got to be to do in part with the gameplay. But he is having a pretty dreadful season. I think we've, we're not going to see a lot of love apart from Donald's love for Jamison Crowder, who's got 48 catches, leads the team. The Redskins have decided that they are going to go with Dwayne Haskins, the rookie, for the rest of the season. We have, uh, I've, I've got a thing in my head that this could be a, a Josh Rosen Mark II situation where the Redskins end up finishing in probably top three in terms of drafting for 2020. And who's to say they don't go and get another quarterback? 
I think that there was a bit of a panic mode when they drafted Haskins earlier this season after the Alex Smith injury. So it's it's very possible that this kind of the whole Rosen situation can happen all over again. Um, Haskins in his four games um, has yet to throw a single touchdown, which is not exactly encouraging. Four interceptions, eight sacks. The the Redskins offense offense have got absolutely nothing to be to be proud of. Adrian Peterson's hoping for a thousand yard season, but probably game script's gonna remove that so they'll be passing. This is gonna be an ugly game, as you say, Sean, just like the, the Broncos Whites game, really. I can't see more than thirty points in the game. Um I'll give it to the Jets. Seventeen thirteen, but I, th- I think you really do need your head testing if you're going to watch this one. <laughs> so, moving on to something <laughs> which is going to be a bit more pleasing on the eye. Are the Saints broken? Or was it just a bit of a blip last week, Sean? Yeah, uh, Saints are a funny team, really, because I think you know, their record has probably masked a little bit of underlying issues. And, you know, I've been quite high on the Saints and probably needed to take a second look. I think if you look at the um, offence this year, you know, Alvin Kamara, who's somebody that we just almost associate with scoring touchdown after touchdown, he's actually only got one rushing touchdown on the year from, you know, just 90 rush attempts. Um, you know, he came back last week, only put up 24 yards on the ground, so he was probably rushed back a little bit too early. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he goes this week. I think the likelihood is, though, let's face it, this is likely to be a game where the ball is in the air an awful lot. So expect a huge day out of Michael Thomas. He's one of the Saints that, you know, consistently does produce and he's well clear in terms of the sort of current receiving um, leaders in the league. He's got 86 receptions for over a thousand yards already. Again, though, he's only actually got four touchdowns through the air, which is a little bit surprising when you put it in that context. that He's had such a high volume thrown his direction. Um, in terms of the books, it'll come down to what it always does. Is it a day that Jameis Winston throws to the Tampa Bay players or to the New Orleans Saints players? Um, you know, he had a relatively decent day last time out, so it stands to reason he will probably throw plenty of picks this week. But you just will have to wait and see. Um, obviously, the you know the two receivers for the books in terms of Godwin and Mike Evans have both been having phenomenal seasons. I think I'm right in saying, from a fancy perspective, those two are actually receivers one and two at the moment. I think I saw that somewhere the other day. Um, you know, so you know they've both been performing excellently. Nice to see Ronald Jones. He's actually getting a little bit of production on the ground as well. Um, you know, I think that the Buccaneers' run game has been absent for quite a while. You know, they haven't probably had anybody consistently since, you know, the first couple of years of Doug Martin down there. Um, you know, so that's been gone for, for quite some time. Um, you know, but I think, you know, has the potential this one to be an entertaining game. You can see plenty of points potentially there. We did point out on Monday's show the Saints have had three games this year without a touchdown. I would be gobsmacked if this becomes number four this week. I think that is probably the most surefire thing we can say this week. The Saints will score at least one touchdown, you would have assumed, in this game. Um, and it, it could be quite entertaining. I think you know the Saints have got a opportunity still to get a first round by despite the the hiccup last week and they will want to prove it was just a hiccup um so it could be an interesting game down in um sunny florida um that's the end of the six o'clock games mate so let's get on to the later ones and the team that lost its undefeated start to the season on monday night they're back at home and take on the arizona cardinals 
Yeah, and it was only just. I mean, we, we, we've credited the 49ers. It wasn't as if they lost that undefeated record in, in a whimper. It was, a, it was an absolute squeaker. Again, unfortunately, their, their rookie field goal kicker cost them that perfect record. This is a, this is a team that's got a, the 49ers at 8-1. have got a lot of balance. We've got nine guys on the team have got over 100 yards receiving, which is a bit of a quirky one. Offensive tackle Joe Staley, doubtful, but George Kittle should be back, which is a good sign because that's Jimmy Garoppolo's number one target. Three 49ers defensive ends have got over five sacks each, including Nick Bosa with seven. I think we'll be talking about Nick Bosa in a little while. The, the Cardinals actually outscored the 49ers 18-7 in the second half of the game just two weeks ago, um, which had that blockbuster Andy Isabella 88-yard touchdown, which is I think is the only thing that Andy Isabella has done in the entire 2019 season. Kyler Murray has, has been an outstanding rookie. And I think it's safe to say he's the only quarterback that leads his team in passing and rushing after 10 games. So what does that really say about the Cardinals' run game? It's awful. That's what it says. Is it a time really now to give up on David Johnson? He, he just hasn't had the, the juice, the mojo, whatever you want to call it. It just hasn't been there. And this, this whole kind of, it feels mythical that, that, that he was talking about having this thousand yards on the ground, thousand yards in the air season. It's not going to happen. And personally, as, as a coach, if I'm Cliff Kingsbury, I'd rather feed Kenyon Drake the ball than, than David Johnson. And it was Kenyon Drake that went over 100 yards um, on the ground against the 49ers just two weeks ago. And then we've got a, a sneaky little, little thing here happening with the Cardinals' defence in that Chandler Jones, the veteran defensive end, is actually the joint NFL sack leader at this point with 11 and a half sacks. Saying all of that, I think the 49ers will get back on track in terms of winning ways. It's again going to be close, but I'll go 27-23 to the 49ers. So, Sean, is Chucky making winning in the NFL child's play? <laughs> I could do this all night with these segues, mate. This is fantastic. Um, he certainly is. Um, wrote about this in terms of the takeaways this week. I don't think anybody predicted the Oakland Raiders to be in the position that they are currently in. Um, and you would have to imagine that this is obviously, you know, the ideal opportunity to get another win on the board here. Taking on, as Adam has pointed out in our Facebook group, the only perfect record team left in the NFL. Unfortunately, it's not the record that you would want as a Bengals fan, um, but obviously the only team without a win or a loss um, are the Bengals. Um, so, in terms of the Raiders, again, you're going to imagine that Josh Jacobs is licking his lips here. You know, it's a, a Bengals defence that just hemorrhages yards on the ground, so you can imagine Josh Jacobs is going to have himself quite a nice day. Um, and obviously, in terms of the Bengals, it's now really all about building for next year. Have they got anything when it comes to the young quarterback that they have put in in place of Andy Dalton, whose name escapes me? Help me out, Ryan Finley. 
Ryan Finley. Finley. I was getting confused with the Browns quarterback coach. I think his name's Ryan Lindley, but there you go. Ryan Finley for the for the Bengals. Um, they obviously want to see if they have got anything in him. Um, you know, and I think there were encouraging signs last week. You know, there were a couple of drives um, that were pretty good. They, they actually had some resemblance of a running game at times last week. Um, you know, so it's all really now for the Bengals about building towards next year. Um, not that they would want it, but they've got a couple of game lead when it comes to the number one overall pick. Um, so it's likely that they will have the pick of the litter when the draft comes around. So they'll really be wanting to evaluate what they have got at their disposal on that roster. Um, and, you know, that that's the only surprise for me is that they didn't do a little bit more of a fire sale when it came to the trade deadline. It'd been interesting had AJ Green actually been healthy, whether he would have still been on the team now or not, because he's obviously the prize asset that could have potentially been traded away. And there were still talks, even you know, despite his injury history and the fact that he's now, you know, getting on there in terms of age, that uh, he still could have potentially fetched a first round um, pick, which would have been obviously good um, for the Bengals upcoming. I fully expect the Raiders to to win this one. Um, they've got then the Dolphins the following week, so I certainly see them as being right in the thick of the contention when it comes to the playoffs. Um, you know, so fair play to them. I I wasn't high on them at all. I wasn't high on the Gruden higher last year, um, but it seems to be paying dividends. So fingers crossed that they can uh, continue that momentum. Uh, New England Patriots back off the bye, back off their first loss of the season. Travel to Philadelphia, mate, in what promises to be. In theatre, you would have assumed quite an entertaining game for the late one on Sky. Yeah, I think Sky have um, really landed on their feet this week with the Ravens-Texans followed by the, the Patriots-Eagles game. So, an absolute treat for people um, on Sunday um, sitting there um, all around England. Juicy Super Bowl rematch, minus obviously Nick Foles this time. The, the Sith Lord Belichick, He's going to be absolutely seething after that loss. And it would not surprise me in one tiny little bit if the Patriots now end the season 15-1. and one. So when we, when we did our mid-season reports, I did say that the Patriots would lose a game, but I did then predict them to go 15-1. and one, And it just would not surprise me and probably the majority of people if that happened. This is a Super Bowl rematch from a couple of seasons ago where the Eagles did manage that big upset, 41-33 win. Eagles are actually off a, a two-game win streak, but at five and four, they just haven't had that consistency. They haven't shown themselves to be the true class of the NFC East. There, there's going to be a ding-dong battle between the Eagles and the Cowboys for the rest of the season. So this is this is a big big game for the for the Eagles. Carson Wentz averaging 244 yards a game. Probably the biggest stat though is that he's actually played every game so far this season because there's normally a point when when Carson Wentz goes down with injury. So if he makes it through through a complete season, then we get to see what he's really like and and see if he can if if he's got a playoff run in him. Zach Ertz, the tight end, leads the team in targets, catches and yards. And since Deshaun Jackson, who had that explosive, I think it was week one, um, he's now on injured reserve and the, the team have re-signed the kind of not exactly exciting Jordan Matthews. 
and the rest of that Philadelphia Eagles receiving core, including kind of bigger names like Alshon Jeffrey, they just have not been performing. No big games from any of them so far this season. So moving on to the Patriots. Yep, they've come, come back from a loss, but they're, at, they're not going anywhere in terms of the, the AFC hunt. They're still the number one seed. And we know once they lock down home field advantage, it is almost impossible to stop them from getting to another Super Bowl. They have still only allowed 98 points this season. And yes, whilst that gloss has been taken off with the loss, it's still pretty remarkable that over halfway through the season, 98 points allowed. Julian Edelman and James White. Just want to spend one minute just talking about them. They are small guys, but they are just so big in stature. Between them, 107 catches off 145 targets. Um, with eight catches, James White actually reaches 300 for his career. Just a little side note here on James White. In Super Bowls, he's caught 17 passes for four total touchdowns. Julian Edelman, in his Super Bowls, has caught 24 catches for only one touchdown in four Super Bowls. So at the moment, Julian Edelman is only 11 catches behind his 2018 total. Obviously, he had four games out from suspension, but he's on a, he's on a tear at the moment. And he's set to eclipse his personal season best of 105 catches, which was back in 2013. I've got the Pats to go back into autopilot and do Dallas a massive favour. I've got the Pats to win by almost two touchdowns. Pats 36, Eagles 23. So, moving on to two teams that um, aren't exactly doing brilliantly, but are still somehow, could one of them could limp into the playoffs. And have you got any of these two teams between the Bears and the Rams limping into the playoffs, Sean? No, not at all, my friend. Um, this is a game that I just scratch my head and think, why on earth did the NFL not flex this game out of Sunday night football? Um, quite possibly two of the most frustrating teams to watch in recent weeks in terms of the Bears and the Rams. The Rams just seem to have... Well, they're... they're They've just disappeared, haven't they? Let's face it, you know, this was a team that was putting up routinely 30, 35 points a game. They're now struggling to move the ball with any kind of consistency. They're ranked 20th in the running game. Todd Gurdy was good for 15, 16 touchdowns last year. He seems to be a shadow of his former self. In terms of the Bears, Mitch Trubisky, he's just awful, isn't he? Let's be honest. Um, and, you know, David Montgomery, despite all the preseason hype, has just done nothing on the ground. The, the two teams that are quite infuriating to watch, I actually had a little bit of a chuckle at the the Rams um, UK Twitter account in terms of the fan group. And I don't think they have a great deal of expectation staying up till 20 past one on Sunday night to uh, watch this one. I don't think it's going to be a great game. It, it has the potential, mate, to fall into the same category as the Jets and Redskins does in the six o'clock game. You're kind of expecting it with the Jets and Redskins with the records, but you know, don't let don't let the fact that these two teams might mathematically be in playoff contention fill you. These are two teams that are not playing good football at the moment. I would be gobsmacked if either of these 
do make the playoffs. And like I say, for me, it's just a, a real shame that this is the prime time game on Sunday because it's certainly not one of the better ones on the slate. Um, the final game of the week, mate, is the International Series game over in Mexico. So over to you, my friend. El fútbol del lunes por la noche tiene lugar en México mientras los Chargers y Chiefs se enfrentan por ciento a decimoctava vez. Understood every word of that, mate. Absolutely I beautiful. Thought, I thought you did, yeah. In other words, this is the 118th matchup between the Chiefs and the Chargers and it happens to be in Mexico. We've got the Chiefs at six and four. And the charges are four and six, so all these parallels going on. <coughs> this is the eleventh NFL game to take place in Mexico, not including two cancelled games, including one that was scheduled to play actually last season. This is the first time both teams have played in the impressive Azteca Stadium in Mexico. Only the, the Chiefs out of these two teams have actually played in Mexico before. And that was a pre-season game back in 1996. Uh, a big whooping of the, the Dallas Cowboys. And we are, in this country, actually got to take our hats off to Mexico because they were the country that actually hosted the first NFL regular season game outside of the USA two years before we did, two years before we actually had the, the pleasure of watching Cleo Lemon come to Wembley as the, the Cardinals beat the, the Niners by 17 and Neil Rackers kicked six field goals over in Mexico back in 2005. The little factoid here, the Cowboys have actually played the most games in Mexico at four and the first game outside of the USA and Canada was in, sorry, start again. The first game outside of the USA took place in Canada in 1926, but the first game outside North America, which was actually scheduled to take place in Mexico in 1968 between the Lions and the Eagles, was actually cancelled. And this was partly due to student unrest because they wanted political change in the country following the building of the stadium that was two months later going to host the 1968 Olympics. And I managed to find a little news clip, a little AP news clip. And one of the other reasons that they cancelled the game was because of lack of ticket sales. And have a guess, Sean, how much the tickets were? 1968 NFL game in Mexico. Oh, good Lord. Um, is it pesos in Mexico? Um it or have you got it in dollars? I've I've got it in I've got it in US currency. US currency. Let's go for nineteen sixties. Four dollars. Forty cents. Forty cents. So they, they could Bargain. sell NFL game tickets for forty cents. So no wonder they cancelled it back then. So just I, I I love I love my NFL history and and that finding out that there was they cancelled the game because of student unrest. I, I think it's a it's a fascinating bit of NFL folklore. So coming right back to the game, I think this is a, a significant step on the Patrick Mahomes road to recovery. And unfortunately, this this spells the I think I mean the the, the Chargers death knell is here. 
And I, I really do feel sorry for Philip Rivers. He's He's been such a stalwart for for the NFL and for the Chargers, but he's going to go out with a with a really damp sort of fizzle this season. I've got the Chiefs winning by at least 12 points. Okay, so that was that was the Week 11 game slate in the books in terms of our discussion and our prediction. And now we're on to fourth down. Fourth down. So, Sean, tell us how people can get in touch with us. Yeah, plenty going on, mate, over at the full 10 yards. As you will know, uh, hopefully most of you listening to this will be used to either myself, Lawrence or Tim in your ears twice a week. But if you do want to hit us up on social media at any point in between, you can get hold of us in terms of the Twitter at full 10 yards is the main handle for the site. But if you want to get in touch with Tim directly, it's at Tim underscore Monk F10Y. If you want to get in touch with me, it's at Sean underscore F10Y. And Lawrence, what's yours, my friend? I am at NFL Fan in England. You must have been on Twitter early to grab that handle, mate. Uh, fair play indeed. Um, in terms of what's going on across the whole suite of full 10 yards content for you, the boys in college, Lee's dropped an article today, um, so go and check that out. And obviously the college pod is coming to you weekly on a Tuesday. Uh, the boys did a QA and a this week, which was good fun. Uh, myself and Tim actually met up yesterday, so putting a face to a name, we did a bit of a live feed on Twitter um, so you can go and re-watch that at any point to see me and Tim in one of the darkest pubs in Scotland. <laughs> Although that was good fun to meet up and answer some Q and A's. And as we get towards the weekend, as ever, fancy content will be coming in thick and fast. Get on board the hype train and get your lineup set for you know what will be the playoff stretch as we get towards playoff season from a fancy football perspective. So plenty going on at full 10 yards. There are a couple of opportunities to come and join the gang as well. Um, to get in touch on Twitter if that's something that you would want to do and are interested in. But Lawrence, I'm afraid the referees are running in, mate. We better think about getting out of here as we've reached the two-minute warning. That's the two-minute warning. Brilliant. Thanks again, Sean. Fabulous. It's going to be a going to be a special week, especially the two big Sky games. So, in the immortal words of Kevin Cadell. It's bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. <laughs> Nicely done, mate. Nicely done. Oh, Thanks for listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Full 10 Yards. Or email the show, full10yards at gmail.com.